Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Eyes of the Mize. I'm John. I'm not sick anymore. Yay. And that's Ian. It's me. Yay. I can actually record. Uh, it, yep. It is good to be back. It is April 5th, episode 56, dual GPs, and so much Amonkhet hype. Just all of the hype. Yeah. It's Amon- it's, sport, it's preview season. Yeah. Yes, and I'm gonna I was get gonna say great. I, I was gonna say spoiler season, but you know, I I, I always catch myself on that because it's not technically spoilers if they're just being previewed. <laughs> yep, that is true. And before we talk about my experience at GP Orlando and Ian's experience at GP San Antonio, and all of the cool Amakit cards that we've got spoiled so far, we want to turn our eyes to the community just for a little bit because GP San Antonio was won by people by the team of Greg Orange, Adam Jansen, and Andres Prost. Uh, over the uh, Peach Garden Oath boys, uh, Owen Turtwald, Huey Jensen, and Reed Duke. Yep. Um, format was, as you can tell, team, but modern. And the deck of the tournament, by far, Death Shadow. It's, I hate to say it, but it's the best deck in modern right now. Like, I do think it's interesting that the Jun decks have just adopted the Death Shadow plan of being able to have this one-mana, easy-to-find threat using you know Traverse the Uvenwald and a Delirium Package. Uh, to just be able to have this one mana threat that the wor- the worse off the game gets for you, the bigger it gets. Yeah, it just, both the decks just basically were like, let's just smush together these two decks. Because, like, Death Shadow Aggro is still somewhat there, the old school, like, Suicide Zoo deck. More than that, it's got Death Shadow and Tarmogoyf, but now it's packing Street Wraiths, Liliana's. Um, it's got Tarfire just to hit itself for to grow the Tarmogoyf. I think the largest one I faced against was like a 6-7. Mm. There was two. It hurt. <laughs> I think I killed them, though. Mm, Tarmogoyf is a hell of a beater. I think I killed him out from Tarmogoyfs. No, I didn't. I lost that game. Mm. Yeah, that game, that game was disgusting. Well, no, the game before was disgusting. <laughs> Anyways, uh, before we... One more little announcement is that the Loading Ready Run pre-release uh, was given a date and guests. It is a Friday, April 14th, so... Uh, boo for that for everybody who has regular work schedules. Can't like me. Womp womp. And these and these special guests alongside the Lure team of Graham, Kathleen, Cameron, and Adam are Aaron Forsyth, Christine Sprankle, Josh Lee Kwai, and Cameron Adolis. I think it's Adolis, uh, who is better known as Ilian MT or Ilian TV on Twitch. Yeah, I'm really liking the guests this time. Um, always great. I'm, I'm just really happy that. More and more people are including awesome cosplayers in the community like Christine and like large events like this. Also, Josh just does an amazing job with uh, oh, yes. previous pre-pre-release guest uh, Jimmy Wong on his Commander stuff and all of the other projects they work on that they do run in tandem with the professor and stuff like that. And Cam is just a great guy who's a really yeah. good stream if you guys want to watch one. Yeah, he and- sends the stream late. I think he's from like middle Canada. I think, if, if I, recall I, correctly, I think so. I forget exactly Based where. on time zones or whatever. But also Aaron um, is, you know, it's good to see him. Aaron on. is, he's the vice president of R&D. Um, I think that's his title. He He's Mark Rosewater's boss. <laughs> that much I know. Yeah. But it should be fun to see him on there, so. Oh, yeah. And, uh, is, and Graham already said that Aaron Forsyth is going to be doing the uh, deck build on camera for this pre-pre-release. Okay, so I definitely expect him to be like, oh, yeah, we were, you know, in the, you know testing this was this and this and because you know he's oh, just yeah. had his hands on them like when they were just baby cards without names oh yes or the goofy uh, and names. also the other, also the pre-release pre-release is expected to have the battle of the cams um oh that'd be great it's gonna be funny um one and yeah, two cams enter one awesome. cam leaves <laughs> exactly exactly uh although air force i definitely had definitely has the unfair advantage because he's he can actually just look at the card file now <laughs> But that's cheating. I'm sure he won't that get. Would be I'm sure he wouldn't get a side advantage on this at all. No, not at all. But in any case, that is it for our eyes of the community. So let's go ahead and dive into uh, our experiences. <coughs> yeah, excuse me. Still a little sick uh, at the various GPs that we went to. Uh, so I'll go ahead and start since it's been a while. It's been about two weeks since GP Orlando. <laughs> And I went down there with a bunch of my with a bunch of my friends up from here in the area. Drove down with uh, Danny, who was on the episode that I published a few weeks ago, 
with uh, Vinny and I talking about all the Ether Revolt cards that were previewed that day. Um, and then I met down with Vinny and a bunch of other friends, Jack, Sam, Kyle, and a bunch of, and Taylor. We all met down there. Uh, we had a great time. Uh, while we were there, we did a bunch of side events. Um, after I, after I dropped out of the main event, which I'll get to in a little bit, uh, I did a team draft for the first time ever, which was interesting. Hmm. Uh, had some interesting decisions that came up in the draft itself. Like I'm not in green, but do I pass this monster's onslaught? Probably not. Pass, pass the pack along. Um, and uh, kind of to close out the weekend, we managed to get enough price tickets to get enough uh, store credit with Star City Games to get a box of Modern Masters 2017 for one last final hurrah for the event over the, for the uh, for the GP weekend. That's not bad. I drafted a Modern Masters. I've only drafted it once so far, and it was kind of a train wreck of a draft. But I first picked a Marsh Flat, so I came out relatively on top. Oh, you definitely came out ahead in that in that regard. Well, it was. At the GP, so it was $45, but Marsh Flats is only like 35 so... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Modern Masters drafts, which I never got a chance to do at uh, Orlando, were 50 bucks. So... Oh, that's disgusting. Yeah. Anyways, for the main event, uh, I did try several GP trials to get some buys. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't, I didn't earn any extra buys. I do have one... I did have one buy for the main event, just based off of Planeswalker points alone, uh, which was really sweet. Uh, I played in two modern events and a sealed event, and neither of them went my way really well. Um, as far as the main event, uh, I got my deck building done after the first big wave of deck building for all of the people who didn't have buys. Uh, I sat down to build my deck, and it, I had a lot of blue cards, but they weren't good. I had dark intimations, but there was, no, but I had no fixing at all in my in my entire pool. Mm. So I knew that if I wanted the splash, I'd be doing it the hard way. Uh, and so I settled on trying to build a base red deck because I had two destructive tamperings, which is a fantastic card to just break through board stalls and make it, make it so that you can kill your opponent, even if you have a deck with subpar removal like mine did. And I, and I kind of waffled a little bit between building a red-white deck with the SRAM's expertise and the Ether Geode Miner I had in my pool, uh, or a red-green deck, which would let me play cards like Outland Boar, uh, or um, I think I had one, a Lifecraft Cavalry. Um, in the end, I decided to build the red-white deck, and I just kind of forgot about the red-green deck. And for the my record for the event was three and three, but I basically went went two and three with the deck. Um, two of my three losses were against other red decks playing destructive tampering, where it's just like cast tampering kill you, and I'm like, yeah, that scans. Put up, pick all of my cards up. Uh, my other loss was in round three uh, in the two-o bracket. I was playing against a player with a Pro Tour top eight to their name, so I was like, well. This match may not go my way, but we'll see. <laughs> it did not go my way. Nah. Oh well. Um, That'll happen. But but I did win with destructive tamperings, and I won with and I won a few matches. Uh, the funniest turn I had is I had a turn where I went, um, I had like five mana in play or six mana in play. I went Foundry Inspector um, for three mana, play a free Bomac Courier, tap my other two mana, tap those two to play a um, Sweatland uh, Sweatworks Brawler. To use it to crew my Iron Tread Crusher to attack with it. Okay. It was great. Um, but that was basically it for my event. I went 3-3, three and three and I was like, I don't want to try to grind out more points for today. Like, even if I make day two, I'm going to be way back in the back, and I don't want to... I don't feel like I want to waste my day, my uh, final day in the GP trying to scratch together wins there. So, 3-3 three and three and drop. Uh, played in a few other events that day. Uh, rooted on a few of my other friends. One of us did manage to make day two. Jack, congrats on making your first day two ever. That was awesome. Uh, and uh, fun fact, it's knowledge now that Yoel Larson won the GP. So in between rounds, I would see Yoel Larson about three tables away playing Modern Masters drafts. Double, Just like double, playing with Basically double queuing the GP. Yes. That's great. It was, it was ambitious and... Man, Yoel Larson is a good magic player to be, able, to be able to pull that off, in my opinion. It's just wow. He would go play his round and then go and just go, oh, where, where were we again? Oh, right. It was a piece of art. I bet, like, especially with a sealed kind of thing like that, where trying to keep oh, yeah. track of multiple different, you know, limited kind of formats all at the same time. I couldn't do it. I, I wasn't there enough on day two to see if he was doing it as well uh, during the draft. I'm sure he was on day two. I guess he wasn't. I mean, I'm I guess, guess that he wasn't. Yeah, it'd be a good, pretty good bet that he wasn't doing that day two. Yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me. 
But uh, on day two, um, I did a two at a giant event with uh, with my friend Taylor. Uh, we went two one and one, which was fun. I played a blue white deck with my favorite combo in the entire format, which is Salvage Scuttler and Efficient Construction. Okay. So Efficient Construction is the enchantment where whenever you cast an artifact, you make a 1-1 Flying Thopter. And the Salvage Scuttle is a 5-mana 4-4 that when it attacks, you have to pick up one of your artifacts. So you just, every turn, you cast artifacts to make Thopters and then you make a giant air army and kill your opponents. That sounds like and my, fun. And, and Taylor was playing a black-green counters deck because we had a Winding Constrictor in the pool and some really good black and, black and green uh, sp- about black and green spells. Um, but we also didn't have really much any fixing at all either, which was... Kind of, kind of, kind of bad because I couldn't splash and he couldn't splash. We definitely had better decks in our pool, as a few of our friends told us. But I was like, Two of the Giants about having fun, man. This isn't about trying to, you know, get as many wins as possible. It's about having fun." No, man, you got to spike those two at a giant event. Just spike it. <laughs> no, you don't spike um, those. No, those, which is which fun. is better because we went two one and one because our last round opponents were like, "Do you just want to draw?" I'm like, yes. <laughs> I don't want to get eighty tickets. I'll rather t- I'll take one hundred twenty. Thank you. Um, and then my other, our other two friends, uh, Vinny and Kyle, uh, they went two and two, they went two Oh, and then Oh two. It's not bad. Not bad at all, but I had a great time at the GP. It was a lot of fun. Uh, drafted a bunch of modern masters with, uh, friends, played a bunch of limited, uh, did a really big trade for a very, very, a very big money card I've been wanting for my cube, which makes me very happy. Which card is that? Imperial recruiter. Nice. The, uh, the face price of it is Three hundred dollars. Barf, 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 barf. I basically traded a bunch of Modern Masters cards away and then paid a little bit of cash to get it. So, so P three K. Yes. Okay, I was wondering. I was wondering if it was a P three K or the Judge promo. Uh, I mean, the Judge promos are cheaper than the P three K version, but the one that I found was just was a P three K version. I mean, not a bad thing to pick up. Not a bad thing to pick up. So that was me at GP Orlando. I wanted to kind of keep it short and sweet because Ian. I know you have a lot more to say about GP San Antonio. Boy, howdy, do I. <laughs> so, I didn't make day two. We'll just get that out of the way at the beginning. We started off 1-0. Tim, later on, Tim and I were talking about, like, how yeah, I was, like, super nervous. And I'm like, yeah, I was too. Like, my hands were literally shaking. Like, I was having trouble keeping my heart, my cards, like, you know, not from just falling out of my hands from shaking in round one. Round two... Um, it was better by then. Uh, we went four and five in what we like to call the fun bracket. Because, so we, we went one and oh, and then round two, three, and four ended kind of badly. Uh, we, we were basically out by round five. We were full on eliminated by round five. Uh, so we went from one oh to one four. And after that, we were like, we've been talking, if we made day two, we just do the GP challenge where it's, especially in a team event, you go find a bar. And in between rounds, you get a drink. So progressively, you're going to get a little drunker. Um, it really got out of hand in round seven when our opponents didn't show up. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but uh, we we actually salvaged the day going from one and four to three and one. And the rest of the way, obviously, to go four and five. But it was like technically two and one. Um, my personal record was three, one, and four. The four being did not finish. because <laughs> Because in a team event the first team to accrue two wins regardless of the other, the third game going on wins. So you could, like, there were times where I wasn't finishing because Colette and Tim were winning out or they were losing out. Um, uh, like I said, my team, I had Tim, the Tim Willoughby the from Coverage. Uh, hilarious guy. Such fun to hang out with him. And Colette LaRue, who is also known better as Susie the Nat on Twitter, who does Susie Tech's coverage sometimes. It was funny. Some people were like, man, it's sad you're going to be playing in the GPs so we don't get Susie text coverage for this GP, but I was happy to have her on my team. She was on Storm. Tim was on Allies. and Man, that, that deck looked so much fun. The, oh, man. The best thing I would hear all day is many triggers in, in Tim's <laughs> British accent. And as soon as I knew that, I was like, I'd look over and I'd hear him say gain, li- or either be gain life or mill. <laughs> Um, there were times where he would just cast a return to the ranks and gain him 20 life on the spot. I'd see him go, okay, and now I'm at uh, 47. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where he's like, and he's like, or uh, mill your deck. He mm-hmm. he had yep, yep. he had I th- he was saying at least five or six mill kills in the day at least, and which doesn't surprise me. Um, kind of fun. The best part is is everyone he would go Cavern of Souls and name allies, and everyone would be like, wait, allies. 
our, our, our round one opponents, oh, it was so cute. They were trying so hard to be like, yeah, we got the information, we got the information. Um, and trying to guess our decks off of like the first two or three cards they saw. Yeah. So my first opponent um, was on Death Shadow Jund on the play. Mishra Bobble targeting me. Peeks the top card of my deck, sees Verdant Catacombs. Now I'm on Green Blue Infect. And I was just playing because of the green fetch land. He looks at he's like, hey guys, we got a green black variant over here. And I'm sitting there like, oh honey. Oh, oh honey. And then I cast, uh, I went uh, Misty, Fetch, Breeding Pool. Or no, I think I just had a forest. I forget. Like I played, basically my turn one was Noble Hierarch. And he's like, guys, we might have a company deck over here. And I'm just like, turn two, cast uh, Glistener. I was like, oh, it's Infect. I was like, yeah, yeah, it's in fact Home Slice. And I beat him that game. Um, yeah. So overall, I placed Death Shadow like f- three times? Yeah, three times in the first five rounds. I went 1-1-1 uh, one, one, one against it. I didn't finish round one because Tim and Susie won that one. I lost out in round four and just demolished it in round uh, in round five. Lethal Becomements off the top while my opponent was topped off. Or I was like... I was thinking, like, during his turn, I'm like, all right, he's tapped out. He played, like, a two Tarmogoyf or something like that, and he was tapped out. And I'm like, all right, if I rip a Death Shadow off the... Or if I ever become a Mets off the top, I win. Technically, I could have ripped any uh, spell that got me, I think it was plus four, plus four off the top, and it would have won me the game because I had enough backup protection to pump in my hand, but it was fun. I faced Bant Eldrazi in round three. Actually didn't... I tied against that one because it didn't end. Faced a Merfolk player in round six, which was kind of fun. Um, the guy would face their gym. So this guy was just like, you think of good old boy Texan. He was an older gentleman, about, let's say, 50, 60-ish. Um, but he is really well known in the Magic community because he is one of the top-level judges, I believe, in the state. He was saying he was telling me after the game, like, it was a... Like, this was the first round after we dropped out. We had gone back. To, we'd found a, a bar nearby. We'd run around because there was like the round had already. The time was in a round. There was five minutes into extended time. We were rushing to find a bar. Got a shot of tequila. Ran back. We're like feeling good and just had the best possible team like team against us in that round. Um, such good sports and we were just like having a good time. You know, it was one of those matchups where you just like you guys are having fun we're having fun and it was just good magic but this guy jim this gentleman jim he is he was saying, he was telling me that like basically his entire like if you like looked at a lot of the judging tree in texas his, his quote-unquote judging family tree he either certified or certified the certifier of like half the judges in texas at one point Jeez. yeah this guy was like old school and such a fun guy to play against he was on merfolk and he chipped me away in game two, and I don't know how I pulled out a game in game when in game three I went down to five life. I was playing hot, fast, and loose to my life total. I was just ignoring his creatures and just trying to kill him off. Mm-hmm. Um, round seven, like I said, opponent never showed. Uh, round eight, played against, I think it was blue-white hate bears. Now, the reason why I say I think it was is because I didn't write it down. It was I, it might have been green-white hate bears because they had a Gavany township. I was quite drunk round eight. <laughs> <laughs> so all right so how it went was we went between round five and six we had tequila shot between round six and seven i had an ipa round seven opponent never showed up so tim collette and myself met up with the professor and wedge and we went to the bar and we had about a glass and a half of champagne maybe two and i had another beer yeah all between the round so that was just like chaining a beer into two champagne glasses into another beer and we we ran into the, the MTA girls and uh, Athena, the, aka the Narlid Pack, is their team name, and, and they looked at us and they were like, oh, they're drunk because apparently we were all bright cheeked, red cheeked, and stuff <laughs> like that. They came over our opponents and their opponents real, and like they came to the top behind us like, hey, what's up? And like, oh, you guys are drunk. <laughs> we're like, no, I'm not drunk. Yeah, I was drunk because I probably would have made the same mistake anyway. But drunk me goes, tap a land, activate ink moth nexus, tap a land. Cast or cast might of all crows against it. Move to combat. Clearly looking at my opponent with a ghost quarter on the other side of the battlefield. Womp womp. And I'm holding blossoming defense in hand. All I have to do is just move to combat, swing with it, wait for him to activate it on my land, and then be like, 
Blossoming Defense, my land. I, I didn't do that. And then the next game, or next turn, he basically stuck another Ghost Quarter, killed another one of my Moth Nexus, and I was down to like two land left and no, nothing on board. But, well, <laughs> drunk me makes mistakes sometimes. Um, round eight, or round nine, I played against Burn, and the night before, uh, I was agonizing hardcore about some of my sideboard slots. Um, one being Relic of Progenitus over Grafdigger's Cage. Really happy I made that choice. Um, basically, it came down to me being like, I was trying, like, I was talking with Colette, and she was basically just like, it sounds like you're trying to talk yourself into Grafdigger's Cage and that you want to play Relic of Progenitus. And I was like, yeah, I kind of do. So, good point. Um, and then I was trying to get cheeky, potentially, with the bringing back the whole uh, Monastery Siege over Wild Defiance. I was happy I brought Wild Defiance to the table because it helped me beat Burn in round nine, our very last game, to put us at four and five. Um, I hear a turn two Wild Defiance against Burn is a pretty good thing. Mm. Especially when it basically counters all their Lightning Bolts and all their spot removal. Oh, yeah, because as, as a player, when you go on the play... Turn one noble hierarch past the turn. Opponent goes land go as as a burn player. You're just like, oh, this is incredible because <laughs> they didn't have the kill spell for the bird. And I was like, yes. So I st- oh yeah. So I stick it on turn two and the guy or on turn two and the guy's just like, well, turn three I just like stick a blighted agent or something and the next turn I hit him for eleven infect. I was just like, yes, that happened. That'll do. That'll um, do. it was a great tournament. Oh. I didn't mention round two because it was probably the weirdest deck that I've ever seen. I knew it was, I knew it existed as a deck. I have personally have just never seen it played out. It was Matthias Hunt from SCG Coverage on Crack Clan Ironworks. <laughs> KCI. Yes. Um, I'm not going to get into it, but it's a four-mana artifact that says uh, you can sack an artifact, or when an artifact... Is it when an artifact leaves the battlefield? Because you have to have another it's, sack so- out. Iron, so Clark Kent Ironworks is a four-mana artifact that you can sack an artifact oh, you sack to it get to two it. colorless mana. Yeah, you sack an artifact. So I actually won game one on him. He was, I guess he was trying to start to combo out, so he started sacking a bunch of things. And then he went to go sacrifice his Inventor's Fair to look through his deck. And I was like, wait, can I see the Inventor's Fair real quick? I looked at it. I read the bottom. I'm like, how many artifacts you got out there? Because <laughs> mm. he, he had sacked away enough of his artifacts that he only had the Ironworks left. Yeah. So problem. basically, Inventor's Fair requires three to activate its ability, or three artifacts to activate it. And I mentioned, he was like, oh crap, totally, totally forgot about that. Yeah, guess we're going to game two. <laughs> <laughs> really great guy. Um, so he started going off in game two. I was an idiot. I tapped out to cast a Bacone Mess to put him at seven. In fact, I could have waited, I could have just like used a random pump spell on him that turn to get him up there and then waited the next turn to make sure I was holding up my Relic of Progenitus mana to exile his graveyard and blow it away. He got a Scrap Trawler out on the battlefield, and Scrap Trawler is the three mana, I want to say a 3-2? It is a 3-2. It's a three mana 3-2 that says uh, when it or an artifact leaves the battlefield, you may return a target artifact in your graveyard with mana cost one less than the one. Just lesser. Just lesser than the one hitting the graveyard. So if it leaves the battlefield, you get a two-mana artifact. He basically was able to chain stuff like sacking down... I forget what the three-mana was, but he sacked that down into the... Uh, crap, the, the one that enters the battlefield and then leaves the battlefield, draws a card. That like, looks like a blob on the beach. Oh, the Icar Wellspring. Yeah, he had an Icar Wellspring, sacked that to grab a Chromatic Star, to sack that to grab a Mox Opal, to sack that... It was just, he just started chaining it, and it got out of hand. I think he was at, like, 20 mana or something like that. By the time, he was like, hey, look, basically, I could keep going off, but I could just wa- walk you through the rest of this combo and how I'm going to basically... Com-. Like, he was like, you want me to combo? I'm like, just just go a little bit more, because my at that point, I was just seeing if he was going to fizzle, and since he stuck the Scrap Trawler, I was basically hosed at that point, because he could just start cycling his graveyard through. He was basically cycling through everything to cast a lot of mana to get a hasty Emrakul out, swing and then it would like return and then he just do it all over again yeah and i was just like yeah fine whatever the reason i never see it online is because the triggers on that oh my 
God, that would be just a horrible play online. So you'll never. Oh, yeah, that deck is definitely one of the ones that's just like you don't play this on Magic online. Yeah, you will never see that deck on Magic online if you're playing Modern. Uh, but it was fun. Um, I actually had to ask Tim. I'm like, Tim, what's going on? He's like, Oh, that's Ironworks. Yeah, I know that deck. Um, yeah, I was like, What do I bring in? He told me to bring the relics and stuff like that too. I tapped out, and Tim looked over. He's like, Oh, you tapped out. You should. You shouldn't have tapped out. And I'm like, Tim, you're killing me, bro. <laughs> but no. Um, yeah, I think. The most common competitive configurations we saw were Death Shadow Affinity Ban Eldrazi. I know that round it was him. I want to. I don't know. It wasn't Caleb Shearer. I'm trying to remember who his teammates were, but he was on Ironworks. His his B slot, his center slot was on Death Shadow, and his C slot was on Infect. So he was getting mm-hmm. inf, he was getting sideboard help from the Infect player. But overall, I man, Team Modern is just so much fun. If you have a chance to go play a, a team modern event do it just just mm. do it it was so much fun um so yeah, team events are always awesome when you have when you have some good teammates to work with so kind of i can kind of give a reca- uh, post-mortem i guess on infect because we talked about it an episode or two ago about the changes that have happened so we've seen what happened with death shadows we just talked about it it just got insanely good because they realized oh we don't have to go all in on this losing life thing we can actually build a resilient as hell mid-range deck that just happens to be able to stick a massive creature on turn one if we want to, because its backup plans are just ridiculous. Um, I actually heard Liliana Emblem at one point, which was the uh, Last Hope. The Last Hope, yeah. Yeah, that was disgusting. Um, I'm trying to remember what happened in that one, but it was somebody in the games next to me. It wasn't my team, so it didn't really matter to me. But in fact, it's still good. It's not great. Pros will absolutely tell you it's not a good deck right now, but I will say that if you know Infect and are an Infect player, you can still play it and ha- and have success against the top level decks in the format for sure. Oh yeah. If you're a skilled pilot with the deck, it's good. It can still take a tournament. Uh, it just won't take a team tournament. Probably um, not. No, nah, it 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 it's too parasitic against Bant Bant uh, Eldrazi, which is still an amazing deck. So. Yeah. Um, oh, I I just remember something. So I did a I did a uh, like a last chance modern event. Um, like I think it was on the, it might've been the, the sun or on Saturday. And I saw probably one of the most degenerate board states I'd ever seen. Yeah. So I saw in play at the same time on, on one side of the board, double blood moon and snaring bridge. And on the other side of the board, I saw worship. Try to guess what the decks were. Oh God. The wor- the red, white worship deck. I've heard about this one. It's not, it was not red, white worship. Wait, what? This is sideboarded games. Oh, shit. I've heard about worship being also worship being played in some sideboards of other decks. What was it? So, the worship was in Bantel Drazi. Yeah, obviously. The Blood Moon, Blood Moon, and Steering Bridge was on Affinity. Yes. That does not surprise me at all. That game, or that match, went to time with that game, with the Affinity player having won game one, and that being game two. Jesus! <laughs> that's, that's gross. No, but yeah, Affinity will actually be packing, like packing some of the uh, uh the blood moons in the sideboard a more popular one though is gear per aether grid i saw that um be really effective in the hands of an affinity player against tim's deck because he has a lot of x1s in there yeah it seems like for the affinity decks they want to either play blood moon or aether grid they don't want to play both yeah they're but it depends on what you're it depends on what you're scared about the most yeah i know uh the ones that the affinity decks that made the top four because it's remember so one thing i also forgot to mention uh, team events will only go to a top four cut, not a top eight cut. Um, the, the 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 winning trio was Affinity, Jund, and Blue White Control. But this was not Death Shadow Jund. This was classic, just straight value Jund with the, with a Chandra in the main board. Yeah, for funsies. Um, yeah, but in the top there was a couple. There's a Grixis Control deck, a couple Death Shadows deck. Reed Duke was piloting Obzon Death Shadow. Lingering Souls is a hell of a magic card. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, Peach Garden was on uh, Abzan, Death Shadow, Eldrazi, Tron, and Grixis Control. <laughs> Owen was on Grixis. Yeah. Owen was on Grixis. Huey was on Tron. Um, there was two Nightfall decks, actually, at third and fourth. Eli Cassis and uh, Matt Severo were both on it. Not a terrible mm-hmm. deck to, you know, the combo deck. I mean, especially if you, you know, you're trying to um, split cards off. I don't think it'll be great on its own but in a you know 
I mean, I've seen a few Nightfall decks being being played here and there. So oh, yeah, one of the really fun cards or fun decks in the top four was Gerard Gerald, Gerald Fabiano, Gfabs on a Mad Cat Moon. Oh yes, Mad, like I was like, what the heck is Mad Cat Moon? And that was or and uh, I think that was Pakula that asked that. Yeah, so kind of sick brags. I got to explain, just like remind Chris Pakula what a deck was. <laughs> Look, he only has so much information he has to worry about. Right well, no, 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 yeah. Well, he was like Madcap. Like he's like he was thinking it was Madcap, uh, Madcap skills. And I was oh, like, yeah, oh, yeah, I was yeah, like, no, it's... I was, I was like, it's the experiment one with the Empyrean. He's like, oh, right, that one, yeah. Because yeah. also sick humble brags. Um, so the rest of my time was amazing, and I can't thank Megan and Maria from Magic the Amateuring enough. Um, those wonderful girls um, hosted me at the place where I was staying at, and also hooked me up with my team with. Tim and Colette, uh, just amazing people. Love them to death. Really nice. Um, also, great hanging out with Athena because they were. She was the teammate of Megan Maria. Athena is Elantris, um, Ephro's wife mm-hmm. as well. If you don't know that, uh, also got to hang out with the we- with Wedge and the Professor a lot. So that was great. Got to meet Wedge. I was like so stoked about that. Finally, um, <laughs> Professor was able to pry him out of the house and get him out for an event, and he had a great time. Um, as you guys might have seen, some of the official uh, Magic accounts tweeting, uh, Corbin, one of their photographers, was tweeting pictures of the of the group stealing the Progenitus big card. <laughs> it was just, they wanted something fun to do, and just figured it was fun to do it with. Um, so many community members, though, I got to meet. Um, I got to meet uh, Magic Man Sam, who does amazing, amazing YouTube videos. Seriously, go check him out. We'll put him down in the show notes as well. Uh, I'm trying to remember who else. Just just so many people. Um, yeah, it was great getting to meet everybody. Um, sorry if I didn't mention you, but it was also great as I got to have dinner uh, on Sunday night with BDM, Chris Bakula, Ben Sec, uh, Dentia Girls, Colette, and um, Tim. So that was fun. Getting to hear uh, BDM and Chris Bakula just talk wax poet like just go on and on about movies and books for like an hour and a half was just amazing <laughs> and then oh, yeah. there was uh got to go do some karaoke before my long two-hour drive home dinner ran long and it was only like oh yeah i'm just gonna leave karaoke like not 10 o'clock so i get home at midnight i didn't leave karaoke until like 11 30 so i got home <laughs> at like 1 40 in the morning that's and i had to be at work at 8 a.m the next day so that wasn't fun but <laughs> totally oh, well totally worth it um, I mean, even if even if you're not as lucky as me to you know end up getting to meet all these amazing people in the community and hanging out with them, even if you have just a group of friends um, and you wanted to travel to these events, we played against people from L.A., uh, some people from Oklahoma, I think one was from Illinois, uh, just all over the country. They came to San Antonio because they wanted to play in this awesome team event. So if you can scrounge together a team of two like-minded individuals with yourself do it oh yeah there is a lot of fun to be had when you have when you go together with a bunch of friends for a team event like that or do like a team draft at your local store or whatever it is oh yeah and so i also like i mentioned i drafted uh modern masters 2017 once i was like you know like i usually do i'm like day two if i don't make it i'm just gonna go jam a bunch of side events and i jammed one and then lunch plans kind of like made it like oh we might go to lunch and then didn't happen for a while because megan and maria and a couple of people were doing the ptq uh, sealed, and we're like, eh, okay, we might do it, but then we didn't go to lunch for another hour or two. But at that point, it probably could have jammed another side event, but it didn't really matter. And eh, it's yeah, it's no biggie. Didn't really mind. It doesn't matter. No, it didn't matter, uh, because I was hanging out with friends, and that's fun. So. And friendship is magic. <laughs> Way to go, dude. No, uh, like I said, to wrap it up, had a blast. Can't thank Megan and Maria enough can't thank my teammates enough tim and colette were amazing um they just the the decision to be like this is, so it was a great sign usually in time i've gone to round nine in a couple of gps before um i went to round nine in my very first gp gp san antonio 2014 um just because i wanted to play magic and it was in standard and i was doing terrible but whatever it was obzon whip so the deck was fun and i loved playing it i went to round nine in gp portland last year had a win in for day two lost it whatever 
Both those days, I was utterly wiped at the end of round nine rounds. This event, I went nine rounds and was like, wait, that was round nine? Oh, all right. I guess we come. Okay. Let's go get drinks. <laughs> um, it just, the day flew by. And it was so much better getting to spend the day with those guys, with those two. So I can't thank them enough for the fun time. So that was my, that was kind of my, I don't know, just go follow me on Twitter. I tweeted a lot about it during the the weekend. And tweet you did. Hey man, sick brags. (laughs) It's okay. I tweeted quite a bit during my GP as well. So, but that was our GPs. Um, Didn't day two. We still had a lot of fun, which is kind of what we'd expect to do. I mean, having fun is the most important thing. Yeah, so I don't know when my next GP is. Do you know when your next GP is, John? No clue. I want it to be Vegas, but we'll see. Uh, mine isn't going to be Vegas, unfortunately. Uh, work commitments get in the way on that one. I might be able to swing GP Minneapolis in the beginning of August. We'll, okay. We'll see about that one. If not, God knows if I can make another GP this year. <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, oh, yeah. Man, so- needs some, man needs some vacation time. Exactly. I was trying to go with a Game of Thrones reference, but my brain was working too slow. Yeah, whatever. Anyways, enough about modern, enough about sealed. Let's talk about Amonkhet. Oh, yes. Amonkhet preview season has started, and the cards are looking real sweet. Before we get into the car- some of the cards themselves, and we have a very abbreviated list of, of what we want to talk about. We'll, First up, we'll talk about next week. What are the mechanics? <laughs> huh? We'll talk about them next week. <laughs> exactly. Uh, First up, let's talk about some of the mechanics that are coming up in Amonkhet. That we know of as of now, because I don't think there's any new mechanics that are going to spring on us. Uh, one which is not exactly a mechanic, uh, but is kind of just another tool that they, that Wizards likes to use every now and then, is minus one, minus one counters are coming back. Uh, and we've seen a few cards already that utilize those, either to kill your opponent's creatures, or maybe you want them on your creatures so that you can uh, use them for various things here and there. Yeah, so <laughs> I was like... People were like wondering if it was going to be like variations of counters, and while minus two, minus one counters do exist, no, barf, <laughs> yeah. no, having I, minus one. There, apparently, there's some like actual minus one, minus one counters that, or dice that people have made, so you can get like yeah. just a minus whatever on there. I might have to look into that. Either that, or I'm uh, just gonna, also either that, or, uh, or I'm just going to use like different dice. Also, there there are tokens um, in the booster packs that are perforated, which will have little minus one, minus ones on them. Punch cards. Punch cards, which are kind of sweet. Uh, but there's a few minus one, minus one counter synergies that are coming up. It's centered in, in green, black, and it makes Winding Constrictor very sad. Oh, yeah. So everyone's like, oh, my God, Winding Constrictor is ridiculous. Yeah, guess what, guys? They found a way to fix it, a.k.a. they knew it was coming all along. <laughs> fix it. Anyways, next up is a returning mechanic, which has been a long time coming back to the game, which is cycling. All cycling is is you pay an amount of mana, usually two generic mana, but it can be a single-colored mana or whatever. We have seen... To discard that card, to draw a card. Because we have seen cards uh, revealed so far that do both. The yes. the two generic... Not too colorless, too generic. And yep. a colored mana. Yep. Um, cycling is a very flexible mechanic. You usually see it on spells that you might want to cast, but you might sometimes say, you know what, I really need something else at this point in time. Um, we'll see a few... We'll see a, we'll see a few cycling cards when we... When we uh, talk about some of the specific cards we want to talk about. Yeah, because there are some pretty spicy ones that are definitely going to affect mana bases. Wink, wink, yes. nudge, nudge. <laughs> uh, next, we have uh, effectively three new mechanics. We have Embalm, which is an activated ability of on creatures that when it's in the graveyard, you can embalm it, and you pay the mana cost and exile it to put a token copy of that creature into play, except two things change. One, it no longer is the colors that it originally was. It is now mono-white. And it's a zombie in addition to any other types. But in all other cases, it has the same name, same power and toughness, and same abilities as the card that was embalmed. Yeah. Uh, there is also legendary rule implications on this one. Yes, there is There is a legend with embalm. And before people ask, the token, I do not believe, counts for commander damage. It does not. I believe what I've read was that it does not count because it is not your actual commander card. Yeah, com- yeah, yeah. Commander's weird. Where the you have a commander card, and it's not like all cards are the same name. It, it's weird. But embalm looks sweet. It looks like a great way to kind of get extra value out of some of your creatures that have died off, and if, then you're like, I want you to serve, and they're like, All right, I'll do that. Yeah, pretty fun. Next up, oh, yeah, 
Next up is Exert, which is probably the mechanic that makes the most sense, just kind of if you're just trying to grok it. Uh, and Exert is a mechanic that goes on creatures, and whenever that creature attacks, you may exert it. And if you exert it, you do a thing, but it does in exchange for not untapping on the next upkeep. Yeah, um, so, so with Exert, is it's, it's not even a capitalized um, kind of keyword. It's just kind of like an action. It's like a thing you can do. Yeah, uh, so remember, it's not going to be like, you know, cycling capital or... Um, Embalm, capital Embalm, e. capital E, yeah. It's just like, you may exert it if so-and-so card attacks or does this. If I think you, it's almost always attacks, but yes. Yeah, well... Yeah, I don't think we've exert. seen exert cards for things that aren't attacking. No, it says... And the way they describe the mechanic, it's basically like, when this creature attacks, you can exert it, so... Yeah, so it's going to be a great way that if you can um, uh, somehow give it vigilance... Yeah, you can exert it. It's hilarious. Yeah, exert and vigilance it doesn't untap but if it's not in the tapped position it you know it's exerted yeah it just just won't untap but it's already untapped and then and then the very next turn you can exert it all over again yeah we'll talk about a few exert cards coming up here in a little bit now the ones the cards that are causing the most hubbub was a few weeks ago or a few weeks ago a few yeah a few weeks ago there was a a leaked card image of a card um, it was, it's a white card. Portuguese, I think. And it was in Portuguese, yeah. Um, and we didn't talk about it because we don't talk about leaks, but it was officially previewed today. Um, and these are a variant of split cards. So split cards are two cards on the same card. Um, and you can cast one or the other from your hand. Um, the most recent split cards were the fuse cards from Dragon's Maze. So Turn and Burn is, an, is one of the fuse cards. Uh, one of the more popular ones is Wear and Tear, which is... One of the white destroy an enchantment or red destroy a... It's one of the red destroy an artifact, white destroy an enchantment. So they're both, and <clears throat> you can cast wear or tear. Uh, in the case of fuse cards, you can cast both. Breaking and entering. Breaking and entering being a popular one right now, even though it won't be coming up here in a little bit. <laughs> Rules so what we have are aftermath cards, where the kind of the top of the card is oriented normally, if a little squished, and then rotated a 90 degrees is you have the aftermath portion of the card. So how these cards work is they are split cards, and you cast the regular-oriented part from your hand, and you can cast the aftermath portion only from your graveyard. So let's go ahead and look at one of them that was previewed today, which is Insult to Injury, which all of these are X to Y. Yeah, so the other one was like like breaking and entering. It's X and Y. This is X to Y. Yeah, so Insult is Tuna Red for a sorcery. Uh, damage can't be prevented this turn. If a sorcery control would deal damage this turn, it deals double that da- it deals double that damage instead. And then the Aftermath portion is Injury, which is Tuna Red Sorcery. Injury deals two damage to target creature and two damage to target player. So you can cast Insult, and then you can cast Injury from your graveyard, which also, by the way, when you cast it from your graveyard, you exile it, so it's gone forever. But you can't cast Injury from your hand, and you can't cast insult from your graveyard, yep. so it's a little, a little weird in that respect. Also, by the way, the art for it is actually one giant long piece of art. Oh yeah, for insult to injury, uh, I should say. Yeah, insult to injury, uh, Luke by uh, Lucas Graciano, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Mike Lenneman tweeted out a picture of the uh, of the original art of it. It's and it is for auction. Amazing. And the auctions at like 4K or something like that. It started at 4K, ends at. Uh, on Saturday, it is currently yeah. sitting at. I don't know if it's a number. got a bid on it right now or not, but yeah, it's sitting at a number. It's at a number. Yes. Anyways, so the all of these kind of aftermath cards are oriented in the same way. They're going to be really interesting to open and look at, um, and I feel like they're going to play better than they read. Also, because they read kind of weird, because you kind of kind of turn your head to the right. Here's, so you can read the, the aftermath portion? Yeah, it's going to be a thing. In draft, make sure you don't turn your head. <laughs> like yeah, don't, don't, you know... Either you turn your head for everything... Or nothing. Or don't do it at all. Because if yeah. you do it for every... If you do it on every opening pack you do, they're just going to know you had a, 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 an aftermath card. Yeah. Um, also, most of the aftermaths we've seen are rare. There are, there are a few uncommons that we've seen. I haven't seen any common ones yet, and I don't know if there will be. I don't. I, would, I think it's too complicated of a mechanic. I mean, they've to, had common split cards before. 
Yeah, but well, I, I don't but know. That, was, that, was that on the first run or was that on the second run? There had to have been common split cards in Invasion. I don't know. We'll and I see. know that there were, and I know that there were common split cards in um, Dragon's Maze. So, but the the two uncommons we know right now are Onward to Victory and Destined to Lead. Yeah, uh, Destined to Lead was one of their main preview cards for it. It actually um, doesn't seem terrible. Yeah, Destined to Lead doesn't seem bad. Uh, also, a few, another thing that they've done with these is usually for split cards, they have to have the same card type, which are instant, instant, or sorcery, sorcery. Uh, Destined to Lead and um, Onward to Victory are instants on their regular side, and sorceries on their aftermath side. There's also prepare to fight. <laughs> yeah, which is also instant and sorcery, which is it's interesting, to say the least. But one big thing that's happened that is changing some things up is that they're changing the split cards. So how they how they normally, how they used to function is that you would have a split card like, say, uh, Destined to Lead, which is one of the black for Destined and three and a green for Lead. Uh, the CMC of Destined was two, the CMC of Lead was four, but if you flipped it to your Dark Confidant, uh, you would take six. Because that's the combined converted mana cost. Yeah. But if you flipped it to Counterbalance, which you reveal the top card of your library and you can counter a spell if it shares a CMC, it would either be two or four, depending on what you wanted to choose. Uh, that, was a, that was a neat trick that they would do with Wear Tear in Legacy. Now, everywhere except on the stack, the CMC of Destined to Lead is six. If you cast Destined, its CMC is two. If you cast lead, its CMC is four. But everywhere else, destined to lead has a CMC of six. Yes, yeah, so if you cast destined, you ignore the lead side of the card completely. Yeah. Same with uh, any of these split cards. Back, like you can fuse the split cards. Only okay. Only the cards with fuse you can you can do that with. For example, uh, fire and ice. You can either cast fire or cast ice. You can't pay two red blue to do both. Yeah. Fuse was a specific mechanic for split cards. Right, true. Yeah, split cards are weird, man. So yeah. what, what's got people up in arms about this is some people are okay with it because it's like, yeah, it's about time this was just made. in Like it's an intuitive design. That's what it should have been in the first place. But it's become a, like a popular little side deck, I guess, of vocal minority yeah, plays online with there's the brain expertise decks, which are casting breaking and entering Fuse from their hand. Uh, or you're using Brain in the Jar to cast Beckon Call Fused. Yeah, you could like um, discard uh, your Grizzle Brand on turn one, cast an Expertise card on like turn two. Yeah, or turn it's, three it, and get a you know your Emrakul or what's it called? Get a now? Hasty Emrakul no. or a Hasty Grizzle Brand. Yeah, yeah, it's it's gross. Yeah, it's kind of silly. Um, so they're just kind of closing that loophole entirely um, and making these CMs just making the converted mana costs of a split card, just the sum of the CMCs of the individual parts in your hand. But in any case, that's it for split cards. It's basically just to close a stupid loophole. Now we have a little bit of time, so let's talk about a few cards. For example, the first card that we saw was uh, Hazaret the Fervent, which is a which is the red god on Amonkhet, which we kind of expected. Egyptian Egyptian set, Egyptian gods. Oh, Hazret the Fervent. I also want to make, I just want to make a quick point. The reason why we don't talk about leaks, there was a leak of Oketra, which is the cat card, which has not been revealed yet. And when they with this product leak thing image that showed up, it showed it as a black, white, gold god. All the gods are monocolored. This is why we don't yeah. talk about leaks, because sometimes people fake stuff. Because people are sometimes not nice people. Okay. I just had to make that point. Continue. Yes. So, Hazard the Fervent is three and a red for a legendary creature god at Mythic, obviously. Uh, she is an indestructible haste 5-4 that can't attack or block unless you have one or fewer cards in hand. And you can pay two and a red and discard a card to have Hazard deal two damage to each opponent. So, Hazard is kind of the template for the Amonkhet gods. They are indestructible, they have, a, they have an additional keyword, and they have a clause which, may, which lets them not be able to attack or block unless something is true. In this case, unless you have one or fewer cards in hand. And then they'll have some form of activated ability to make them just not dead on board if you can't attack or block with them. True. So, unlike the Theros gods, which use the devotion mechanic to kind of turn them on or turn them off, in order to make sure that these undercosted, overstatted, indestructible creatures can't all just automatically attack or anything like that, they have these, these little clauses to make sure that they can't interact in combat otherwise. John, the clauses are their trials. I mean, I could see that. That would make sense. Well, no, it's, it's proving your devotion. To the god. I mean, that makes sense. Like, if you look at Kefnet the Mindful, which was previewed by a Japanese language site yesterday, 
It's two and a blue for a 5-5 legendary creature god at Mythic. Uh, Kefnet has flying and indestructible. Uh, Kefnet can't attack or block unless you have seven or more cards in hand. And you can pay three and a blue to draw a card. Then you may return the land you control to its owner's hand. I think he might be interesting in control decks. He's definitely very, very hard to interact with. <coughs> Excuse a 5-5 five, five flying indestructible creature is a beating. Handles one of our favorite uh, current control you know, cards and yes. Sphinx is the final word. Uh, the three blue draw card, then you may return a land you control to its owner's hand. I think we can kind of lead this directly into where we're gonna, we can go next for the next set of spoiler cards or preview cards yeah. because lands have cycling again. Specifically, we have a cycle of allied colored dual lands with cycling. This is the first time that we've had double colored lands or lands that can tap for two colors of mana with cycling on them. But normally the cycling lands only tap for one color of mana. But wait, there's more. All of these lands... So go ahead. They're fetchable. <laughs> and they're fetchable. They have basic land types. So, so the big thing here for standard is they play, they play nice with the Shadows of Innistrad lands. They're also fetchable with like a... For example, Irrigated Farmland is a Plains Island that enters the battlefield tapped, and you can pay two mana to cycle it. They all enter the battlefield tapped. They all have pay two mana cycle it. Um, so with Irrigated Farmland, you can play it on turn one, or you can fetch it at the end of turn in Modern or Legacy or any format or any format with fetch lands to get it into play so it can tap for mana. And what Ian's mentioning with Kefnet, you could then just pick up one of your cycle lands and then cycle it so that you can use it for try to get an extra piece of action instead of maybe a, just a dead land in your hand. Or say you're um, kind of flooding out a little bit, you can just, you know pick up a land that you can cycle out to try and draw some gas. Yeah. Which, in a control deck, is great. Yeah. Uh, also, these lands are great for control. They're less so for kind of, like, aggressive strategies. But being able to, in an aggressive deck, draw a land and go, I don't want a land. I'd rather have a spell. And being able to just get rid of it to draw a spell or to attempt to draw a spell is very, very big game. Like, I don't I don't know if it's going to be a thing, but, I mean, back in the day, Mono Red Aggro would run 19 lands just because they didn't want to draw many lands in the late game like control decks wanted to run, run that's why like aggro decks will run like 16 or 19 lands control decks run 26 control decks want to see lands because they have big spells that can be cast aggro decks have low casting cards that want to be cast quick you don't want to see a lot of lands this can help alleviate that um we won't see it that much in standard i don't think because i mean i mean unless, i could see unless, like a red green aggro deck playing playing a few of the sheltered thicket the red green one or mardu playing or the mardu ones playing canyon slow yeah uh but which is the red black but yeah it'll be interesting to see how these lands interact well with what we've with, with the mana bases that we've got now so the art's amazing again as always yeah um the big thing that i that i now excuse me that i now want is enemy colored of these but I'm either waiting until our devastation or six years. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's either coming next block or not. Not for a while. Not for a it long took, while. It took a hot minute for us to get cycling back. Yeah, and cycling is a good mechanic. It's I'm not like it's overpowered. Back. It's just, it's just unexciting. It's not flavorful. There's no like flavor behind cycling. But it's just like okay, yeah, we've got this thing that I can do. Okay, so and it's just good. So come with me on this though. Okay. I think it might has some like subtle flavor for Amon Cat. Right. Cuz we have okay. remember we have mummy zombies in this set. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of like, you know, ditching something, you know, like ditching a living card, you know, to get value out of it after it's gone. Mhm. Yeah, it's it's it kind of work around, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. Now, it's it's still a great mechanic and I'm happy it's here. Yeah. So speaking of cycling, let's talk about a card uh, because they're not going to put cycling it in, in a set just to put it in the set, even though they did that when they first introduced it. Because what they like to do now is they like to give you payoffs for trying to do certain certain effects. So, for example, we have a card that was previewed yesterday by uh, Caleb Durward over on CFB, which was Drake Haven, which is tuna blue for a rare enchantment that says when you cycle or discard a card, you may pay one. If you do, create a 2-2 blue Drake creature token with flying. So this is kind of the new version of... Uh, Astral Slide, Lightning Rift, cards that cared about when someone cycled a card to kind of get something out of it aside from just, you know, pitch a card, draw a card. So for Drake Haven, you cycle one of these dual lands, you pay two mana to, to draw a card, then you just pay an additional mana to make a 2-2 with flying. Yeah, there's some there's some cards, you know, that will have you, like, you know, the draw some, dis- like, draw three, discard one kind of thing like that. Like, 
you might be able to draw three cards, discard a card, and get it, pay one mana extra and get a Drake creature token out of the deal. Yeah. One of the first cards we saw was Archfiend of Ifnir, which is uh, 3BB for a 5-4 flying demon with, with cycling that says whenever you cycle or discard another card, you put a minus one minus a counter on each creature your opponent's control. So we're going to see a few cards like this in addition in the set, even though these two are both rare, so they're obviously very powerful. Um, also, Archfiend of Ifnir, I think, is probably the card most likely in um, in the set to see modern play, because I have, Living End is still the deck. I have no doubt in my mind that that will probably be the most played modern card, at least at early look. Yeah, unless there's something just like absurd, like if they reprint Source the Plowshares, which, spoiler alert, they aren't um, in the set, then that would just be kind of just absurd. I mean, Pat the Eggs... Well, all right, we should... We should clarify Avon Mind Sensors in the set. So that's true. And Avon Mind Sensor is actually played in modern, but I meant the new cards of the new cards. Correct. Yeah, of the, of a new card being printed for its first time ever. Because I mean, yeah. reprints are obviously played already. Uh, well, yeah, essence scatter, whatever. <laughs> so we're running low on time, but there's at least one card that we have to talk about today. There's just there's just no bones about it. Let's talk, Chad. God damn it, Chad. <laughs> so Gideon of the Trials was previewed today in the story article. Gideon is one white white for a three loyalty planeswalker. By the way, remember, all three mana planeswalkers have seen play in standard specifically. Three mana planeswalkers are good. So Gideon has plus one until your next turn, prevent all damage target permanent would deal. That's not exciting, but sure. Zero. Until end of turn, Gideon of the Trials becomes a 4-4 human soldier creature with indestructible, that's still a planeswalker, prevent all damage that would be dealt to him this turn. A.K.A. your typical Chad Claws. Your typical Chad Claws of turn into a, du- turn into a dude and beat face. That's indestructible. Well, there's reasons. For okay, that. Jura had the whole damage can't... Jura had indestructible too, I believe. Well, damage, prevent all damage that would be dealt to him this turn. So, do you, know, do you want to know why the reason that's there? Because it planeswalker loyalty. Yeah, because if that wasn't there and Gideon was blocked by a 3-3, he would lose 3 loyalty. I know. Yeah, so that's why that's there, for people who didn't know. Gideon's third ability, and the last ability, so he's not a 4-ability four, four walker, is 0. Du- double zeros. Sure, alright, what's going on? You get an emblem with, as long as you control a Gideon Planeswalker, you can't lose the game, and your opponents can't win the game. And this AKA, is where... the ability you'll never activate in Limited. This, uh... This is where the internet lost its collective mind. Now, we have to flash back a little bit to when they announced, oh, hey, by the way, rotation schedules are going to be longer than we originally planned because this set... Uh, so, Battle for Zendikar was supposed to be out of the picture. It's not. <laughs> yeah. So, Gideon of the Trials was not meant to coexist with Gideon, ally of Zendikar. By the way, kids, we have a three standard legal Gideons right now. Yeah, three. Gideon of the Trials, Gideon Marshall Paragon... Which is from the uh, from the Planeswalker decks and Gideon of the Trials. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, <laughs> twelve Chad. It's a deck. Twelve. I wouldn't play twelve Chad. I would play eight Chad, but I wouldn't play twelve Chad. Twelve Chad, or make it nine Chad. So here's my one, thing of Gideon, the Gideon of the Trials. He is actually not that good. In a vacuum, he is actually just not great. Yeah. To be f- he turns into a four four, which is a big body, and it hits really hard. His plus one is fine in certain respects, but if you prevent all damage, target permanent would deal. If it's a creature and getting attacks, he's just going to get blocked by the creature. Um, if it's if it's big enough oh. to be able to withstand his to be able to withstand his attack, and his last ability is only good if you have a Gideon still around. And it, even then, it's not great because they could have they could have a spell that could get rid of your Gideon in some way, shape, or form. I would absolutely not pick pick this card first pick in a draft. No, no. I mean, I might still pack one pick one this Gideon in limited. It depends. But, I mean, it depends on what his price is. I will I will value I will oh, yeah. money draft. Value draft is not the question. I will money draft Gideon. I will not like actually pack one, pick one this card. So the reason why people lose their minds is because this Gideon curves nicely into Ally of Zendikar, which is four mana, who is much harder to get off the table. To be fair, I would probably just go Gideon the Trials zero. Get your emblem while you can, just in case. Yeah. I mean, in, in, in the de- in the eight Chad deck that plays a number of Gideon of the Trials and a number of Ally of Zendikar, I would do that because Ally of Zendikar is really hard to kill. Like it's, that said, it's incredibly hard for my old team or tower deck to kill. Like yeah. four dam four damage is not easy to come by to to a pure person's face anymore. No, 
Whereas, but getting into the trials is still, you know, fine mm-hmm. in, in that specific strategy. But otherwise, I don't know where he goes. He yeah. protects himself, sure. He can end the game, sure. But his last ability might as well not exist in most cases. The only reason people are losing their minds over this is because you can go get any of the trials, make my Platinum Angel emblem, and then play Gideon Alley of Zendikar and just protect the king. Yeah. And then I can never lose and you can never win. That's the, like the, that's basically the whole rotation changing way late into the development cycle. This was probably a card that was developed way early in the cycle when they knew, okay, BFZ block is out. We can make a Gideon and it'll be fine if we do give him this emblem. Yeah. Then they change it. I bet you they collectively crap their pants and were like, oh, no. I mean, I think I saw a tweet from Aaron Forsyth in December saying that they were making last-minute changes to Amonkhet due to the fact that BFZ was going to be around with Amonkhet. I have no doubt Gideon was changed. <laughs> I be- Yeah, I would not be surprised if something on Gideon of the Trials changed in the interim between there. But he's a three-minute Planeswalker, and, and three-minute Planeswalkers always see play. Now, he's, he's going to see play basically because there's a four-mana Gideon that's better than him. If there's a white weenie deck, it's going to get played. But I don't know if after BFZ leaves, after Shadows leaves, if Gideon of the Trials still sees play. I don't know if that's going to be the case. Yeah, that'll be something for future people to figure out. <laughs> but yeah, we'll That's going to be see. the real test. We'll have to see what comes of... I don't even know the code name for the one after the next one. Jeez, um, I used to know these off the top of my head. Yeah, it's whatever. There's a, there's a wiki on it. Yeah, I know. Anyway... <laughs> Chad is ridiculous because he's Chad. Everyone's just it's also story-wise, everyone's joking like it's you know perfect Chad. He's got to win everything. Yeah, but in any case, that's Gideon. Um, also, I think people are were pre-ordering him at fifty dollars. Don't do that, people. He's yeah. not that good. The last time I saw anybody honestly consider, well, okay, the last two times I've seen Planeswalkers go for fifty dollars pre-orders, they ended up not being worth that much. Chandra. Yeah. And Narset. Don't do it. Well, Narset had the problem of it being a blue-white planeswalker that looked like she was good in control. Which she was, but she didn't match up well in the meta. She wasn't and then good. Chandra suffered the problem of Smuggler's Copter. She wasn't good in the control deck that existed, which yeah. was Dragon, Esper Dragons. Yeah, she just was not great in that deck, because that deck wanted creatures. Which is weird. Yeah, in any case. I like that deck, though. There's more cards that we could talk about. There's Watchers of the Dead, which is some good sideboard, which is a good graveyard hate. There's Consuming Fervor, which is a Wait. color shift of a card from Alpha, we'll talk which is really sweet. We'll talk about it, but yeah, we're getting actual graveyard hate this set. Whether it's good or Yay. not, who cares, but it's graveyard hate. Yeah, Scarab Feast is the card that I'm most excited about for Standard, because it's just good. <laughs> also, um, And then we also, have, we also have a few of the other des- uh, Aftermath cards, like Rags to Riches. Or cut to ribbons. We'll talk. We'll talk about. We'll also names. talk about two interlocking uh, uh, cycles. One at common, yep. one at uncommon. The trials at uncommon and cartouches at common. Uh, we'll talk actually, ab- I forgot one of the, one of the cartouches is actually modern playable. I did forget about that. Which one? The white one. The yeah. white cartouches, white mana. One give give the enchanted creature plus one plus one and first strike. And when it comes into play, you make a one one. It's great anti Liliana hate uh, in boggles. Oh my god. Yeah. That's dis- that's great. It's either a straight replacement for Hyena Umber, which is just this card with Totem Armor, uh, or it's just better. I don't know. We'll see. Anyways. Huh. I don't want this to turn into a two-hour podcast, because no. we can easily do that. We could, but we're going to talk more about it next week. There's more cards exactly. coming out continuously. Yes. And next week we'll have more cards to talk about, and the week after that, the entire set will be out. Uh, hey. Also, something that I'm... That I'm very happy to announce before we close for the uh, for this week. Um, at Pro Tour Amonkhet, I will be there as a uh, member of the press, which is going to be very exciting. Sweet. So I'm going to try to get some interviews and some uh, get some sneak get some uh, inside inside information at the Pro Tour. Obviously, there's certain things that I can and <laughs> cannot say um, with regards to like, oh hey, here's deck lists. I can't publish those. We might have because to that a, would be cheating. Yeah, we might have to do a secondary episode for that, specifically talking about that. I have plans. Don't worry. Okay. All right. Shoot, man. <laughs> but yeah, there, you're, you're it's scheming, gonna be fun. Scheming over there like bolus. Crap. Who is it scheming like bolus though? Let's be real. I'm not. Anyways, that's gonna do it for us. As always, you can find us on these social medias. Ian, if people wanted to read all of your stuff about GP San Antonio, where would they go? You guys can go read everything I tweeted and pictures. They were dogs. 
there were dogs. Anyway, <laughs> at uh, DixonIJ, that's D-I-X-O-N-I-J on Twitter. And you can find me on Twitch because I don't really stream much right now because work is a pain in the butt and my internet is a potato over here at the hotel that I'm in um, while on TDY. So unfortunately, no streaming while I'm out here. But it's twitch.tv slash Dix, D-I-X. You can also find me and say hi if you're in any the random magic channels, Twitch chats. If you see me, say hi. Anyway, John, they can find you. You guys can find me on Twitter at jwelly129 and on Twitch by the same handle. I'm around. Just say hi. I'm friendly. I promise I don't bite. <laughs> Hard. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Anyways, if you want to reach the podcast directly, you can do so on Twitter at Eyes and the Mize. Or if you have a more personal question, you can send us an email at eyesandthemize at gmail.com. Please give us your feedback. We love to hear how we can best improve the podcast for you, our wonderful listeners. We've also in got case, things in the works. We also have things in the works. Also, I've been John. That's been Ian. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time. Mm-hmm.